This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Jason LaConfora. The playoffs are here, but before we get to them and before we break down the wild card weekend, which is going to be bananas, we'll do that Thursday. More in-depth coverage of the games and what we expect, game plans, etc. But, Jason, as we start, let's start, I think, with what happened in this final week because there were some teams – that yeah. needed to win, none more than the Jags. Win and you're in, you win your division. And they go play like complete crap against Tennessee. And I'm not sure what happened to this team. I mean, you go back five, six weeks ago, they were in position to potentially be the number one seed. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I remember talking about them quite a bit, you know, we on our pod here and on my radio show and just uh, – in terms of the gambling markets again and some other things that I do. And you looked at their schedule and you looked at the state of that division and you looked at their record and said, they've, they've got a chance here to have an inside run at the one seat. Now in saying that, I'm also like, I'm not sure what they're really good at. Like they appear to be good at winning football games, you know, kind of like what the Eagles were doing in the AFC. Like they're not exemplary in anything. They, they don't seem to have picked up where they left off last year's playoff run. And, and, and most of the key metrics, except for their pass rush rate was looking pretty looking good at the middle good. of the season. But a lot of that was coming down to one or two individuals. So I just wondered kind of like, what are the strengths of the team? The quarterback is regressed, regressing and he appears to be pretty beat up. The run game's not existent. You know, they're pretty good stopping at the run, but you you can, you know, they're okay at that, but you can throw it all over the place on them. Um, 
and they never really got better at anything. And the quarterback remained beat up. And I think it's odd that the defensive coordinator is the guy who gets fired there. Like <laughs> press Taylor. Like, I don't get it. I know he's, you know, he's, he's, he's related to Zach Taylor, right? It's his brother. And he's part of the whole McVay Shanahan thing. But like, I don't recall press Taylor being all that special in Philadelphia. And I had a couple executives in the league, like text me like, wow, they, they scapegoated the wrong guy in Jacksonville. Like, and I'm not saying the defense was great, but defense also didn't have a ton of talent. And when, when they lost their, their best safety, um, heading into the Baltimore game, like they, they, I, I don't know, man, I think we're kind of, it's a little disingenuous to pretend like the quarterback who was drafted one, one, um, regressed in everything, regressed in interception percentage, regressed in touchdown percentage, uh, regressed in yards per attempt, regressed in quarterback rating, like regressed in sack percentage, like regressed majorly um, to where he's bottom five in the NFL and combined sacks and turnovers, and he didn't seem to be right. Um, he didn't seem to be able to complete any passes to the boundary in that game. The, the offensive play calling in that game against Tennessee – Gave me way more concern than defensive. So they're at an interesting point in time here. It's after year three, Carl. That's when quarterbacks who were drafted 1-1 generally want their bag. Uh, there was a six-game stretch late last season where Trevor Lawrence was playing as well as anybody in the league. But that's surrounded by much larger sample sizes of games where he's been pretty pedestrian. They haven't really leaned into his legs the way maybe they, they – could have or should have or or will need to in the future. Uh, the Calvin Ridley situation, he wasn't a fit. Um, really low catch percentage. Never really seemed to be on the same page as Lawrence. There's other people I talked to in the league who said, but wait a minute, that's a team that wants to live an empty set. Like they, they want the quarterback to be back there by himself. Like Joe Burrow surveying the field, getting rid of it quickly. Right. And they couldn't do that because they never had the same offensive line from week to week, right? That They didn't have the left tackle. They didn't have the right tackle. They couldn't run the football. Um, Zay Jones barely played. You know, like they never got the three receivers on the field at the same time. And I get some of that. But I'm also kind of like, this guy was supposed to be a franchise savior. Like, this was supposed to be a, this was a tank for Trevor, right? Like it was suck for luck and you know, this was supposed to be more like a Luck or a Peyton Manning situation than a Baker Mayfield situation in terms of 1-1. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason for them. But they have deficiencies. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of strengths. And next year is going to be really interesting for Doug Peterson uh, because offensively, I don't really know what their identity was. Like I, I, it was, it wasn't a, it, even when they were winning games, it wasn't a great watch. Like it didn't really pass my eye test. Here's what's crazy about next year. The Colts are going to be better and the Texans yeah. all of a sudden are relevant. And everybody thought that was going to be Trevor Lawrence's division for the next yes. two years. We talked about, you know, oh, he'll own that division. The Colts are a mess, and the Texans have a long way to go. And look at what's happened. So the Texans seemingly have found their guy, and they're in the playoffs. The Colts, listen, what changed? Colts almost went to the playoffs with a backup, Carl. Remember, Richardson Richardson had to play since, like, week three. What Shane Steichen did with with Minshew was incredible. So 
they're going to be better. And I just feel like all of a sudden now, what we thought a couple of years ago when he got drafted and how he was going to own this division and be Peyton Manning and win 13 division championships and all yeah. that stuff, it's out of the window. So they got some fixing to do, but I thought that was a complete collapse. But yes. none bigger, Jason, than the Eagles. They finish a one in five stretch to finish the season. <laughs> you talk about limping into these playoffs. And I would have told you guys, against the Bucks on the road, Eagles will kill them. I don't know what to think now. We're going to get into this game, but, like, what the hell is going on with the Eagles? And Shane Steichen ultimately pulled Hurts. He pulled his guys. But they got beat down. That, that game was over already. I mean, I, I thought Tyrod Taylor would do whatever he wanted to against them. And I was right. Um the defense has become the path of least resistance. And he did it. Remember, he left the game for a while, and they're looking at his hand, and Cutlets is in. So he missed at least one series. He comes back for a series. It seemed to me like the play calling was kind of limited to figure out what can we even do with him? You know, can we throw it more than 10 yards downfield? They still moved the ball that series. And then on the other side of the half, forget about it. Like, it was the men against the boys. And remember, he came in at halftime against the Eagles a couple weeks before that, replacing Cutlets, and bam, it was right away, downfield passing game, attack them in the boundaries, attack them deep in the middle of the field, do whatever you want. Uh, Matt, I mean, look, putting your season in the hands of Matt Patricia, like, you know, you're, you're Godspeed. It's not it's not going to work out. Um, and it's not, it's not working out. And I don't – yeah, I, I, again, we'll get more into that game on Thursday. I, I have a hard time getting behind either of these teams. Somebody's obviously going to win this game. I did jump on the under at the beginning of the week. They're strong under trends for both these teams. They played an under game early in the year. Um, then you had the, the finger situation with Hurts, you know, and Baker Mayfield, he couldn't push the ball downfield either. He was on the injury report all week, and he's clearly not right. So – this, this could be, you know, a pretty ugly playoff game. In, in fact, I'd be really surprised if it's not. I mean, look, the Eagles ran the ball down their throats the first game. Ran it, I think, 41 times for over 200 yards. The Bucs, as good as they are stopping the run, had no answers for DeAndre Swift, who didn't play in this game. I'm guessing if it was a playoff game, he would have, you know. Um, but this does not look like a team, Carl, that – is going to flick a switch and become a true contender this year. I mean, this is a team that week after week, their warts and their deficiencies become even more prevalent than, than their strengths. Uh, and I mean, people can try to minimize this thing with Hertz, but I mean, it's the middle finger on his throwing hand. I remember, remember when Russell Wilson had that thing a few years back with this, like, and I don't know if this is the same as that, but, where he couldn't bend that finger and he's out there playing with Seattle, but it's like, what, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, yeah. I, and I mean, they don't, this team had 70 sacks last year. They can't muster a pass rush. Certainly not really without blitzing. Um, they have all kinds of deficiency issues in coverage. It looks like these guys don't play in practice together. Uh, I don't think you're fixing those kind of um, deep seated issues in the middle of January. And I especially don't think Matt Patricia's the guy, you know, to put that fire out. So this first game might be ugly. If they advance beyond that, uh, the offense is going to have to take it to another level because 
I, I just think it's going to be hard for, for this defense. If this defense holds some of these offenses under 33 points, I'd be – I mean, and that's not good by any stretch, but, like, the way they're playing right now, it's like if you could win a game with 35 points, you better go get 35 points because you're, <laughs> you're probably giving up 33 to everybody. Hurts, by the way, 7 of 16, 55 yards. He threw an interception. He said the injury uh, is something I'm taking day by day ahead of the Bucks game. Did you hear Nick Sirianni after this game, by the way? Did you hear Sirianni? Yeah. Uh, and, and listen, you know, you go to the Super Bowl, you do all these great things. This is where we really find out about you, adversity. It's not when things are rolling and you're you're killing people and you're scoring, you know, 35 a game to your point. It's how do you get out of this rut is when we find out about you. And I'm really curious about where this is going to go with Nick Sirianni. I, I, it's not that he said anything bad, but it was just coach bullshit. You know, it was coach speak yeah. right after the game. He has a sort of a way and a mannerism that it, it certainly plays in Philadelphia and it, it, it obviously plays in Philadelphia when, you know, you keep starting seasons 10 and 0 and 10 and 1. But I don't, I mean, it's funny. I was talking about this at GM the other day. Uh, he's like, you know, if Nick Sirianni were to get fired right now in the middle of this, he's like, even with all these openings and more to come, he's like, I'm not sure Nick Sirianni gets a job. Mm. He's like, I'm sure Nick Sirianni would think he's getting a job immediately. But he's like, you know, that sort of, stripped down blue collar delivery like not every owner you know what i mean wants to give a guy seven eight million dollars a year and have that be sort of the face of their franchise or the face of their messaging i don't have a personal problem with it um but i know it's not for everybody it, it doesn't play everywhere uh and we talked about it quite a bit in the second half of the season the, the brain drain there the, the inability to get get it right at offensive and defensive coordinator after losing, you know, both of their young rising coordinators to head coaching jobs, it seems to have been um, too big of a of a hill for them to climb. And ultimately that falls on Sirianni too. So there's it's obviously, I mean, if they lose this week or even the following week, there, there, there's going to be more changes in the offseason. And certainly I think – he he would he's going to go into next year if he's still there with a, with a different sort of spotlight on him and he'll probably be one of these guys who knows like got to win big or they're going to they're going to find somebody else yeah they're built to win now and that is the thing right so how do you overcome the injuries i get it everybody's dealing with that how do you get your guys heads right how do you come out and, and potentially get back to the NFC Championship game and find a way to the Super Bowl. That's really Nick's job, and, and we can take it for granted. But I think you and Baldy talked about it, and Brian Baldinger will be with us on Thursday, guys, to talk about these games. And Jason and I will continue to break down what we think going into the weekend. But um, the loss of Steichen and, and Gannon are big, and we're seeing that. So we've got more to get to. Jason Lockon for Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. More coming up after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jason, as we get back to things here in the huddle, five jobs are currently open. Um, Black Monday, we currently we record this on Tuesday. So Black Monday was yesterday. The Falcons fired their head coach late Sunday night going into Monday. Chargers job is open. Carolina, we've known. Raiders, commanders. Before we get to who else might be looking for a gig let's talk about these gigs let's talk about these jobs washington new ownership rebuild raiders i'm with you ap should get the job it's not even you know we shouldn't even discuss it but we know they've got a process that they've got to go through and and they'll hopefully go through it and hire uh ap falcons fire uh arthur smith and now are looking for a new head coach that search has started basically uh yesterday as we had a conversation with the owner arthur blank and the CEO and Rich McKay, Chargers, is ownership willing to pay what they need to pay to go get a guy? And then Carolina, arguably the most meddling owner to this point, and has been continuing to fire coaches and creating no stability there. Yeah. Jason, what's the best job? Is there a best job out of these five jobs? If you're one of these coaches that might be out there, including, by the way, Jim Harbaugh, who won a national championship last night. If he's going to the NFL and he's looking at these five jobs that are currently open, may others may open. What's the best one? Uh, I think it's the Chargers. You've got look, you've got fiscal certainty with the, with an elite quarterback um, who who truly is an elite quarterback, and we can we can debate the merits of the how many big games he has or hasn't played in, or you know what he has or hasn't done in the postseason. Um, I I I have a hard time putting a lot of the record. You're right. His his wins loss record um, and how pedestrian at best it is on him. I, I I shudder to think what it would look like without him. And damn, if we didn't get a taste of that this season, I, I don't think he's had much of an infrastructure around him. I don't think he's had head coaches around him who are. Um, really equipped to win in this league. Uh, I don't think he's had coordinators around him to bring out the best in him. Yes, they have some talent on offense, but the defenses that have been around him have been largely horrible. Um, I, I know the Spanos family's reputation but they've won, you know, in the past. Like, they've had decent runs. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer had, you know, his time there. I know we're going back a little ways. But yeah. it's not like – I don't think you can't win there. And and I, I think what they did do in recent years – now, it didn't work out for them. But paying Bosa, paying Derwin James, paying Keenan Allen, paying Austin Eckler the first time, um, paying Justin Herbert – I. I 
It's not like people are just walking out of that door left and right, you know, willy-nilly. You haven't seen players, you know, like the, I'm thinking of the situations with guys like Vincent Jackson and Sean Merriman in the past. You haven't seen that. Um, you know, ugly negotiations or, you know, people like we're, I don't know, this this feels like we're not quite in the days when, you know, Eli Manning refused to go there, right? Like, I, I, I think as a franchise, they've gone beyond that in a lot of respects, yet uh, they can't get it right putting an infrastructure together in terms of a hierarchy to get them to the next level. Now, as great as the quarterback is, like, I would be done with Bosa, like, you know, for me, I'm probably maybe trying to see what I can get for Derwin James. Like, I I think they're going to have to be realistic about, you know, what Keenan Allen, with the way that contract structured. Yep. Like, there's going to have to be some uh, recon reconfiguring there, without a doubt. But I think smart coaches, smart game plans, um, guys who know how to manage a game with, with them having most weeks the better quarterback. I mean, almost every week you've got the better quarterback. And we've seen Kansas City now, like, they were not a juggernaut this year by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, yes, I think that's the best job. You have a chance to go there with Justin Herbert. Um, that's the kind of quarterback that you think you can get a lot, multiple bites at the apple with. You know, we should have multiple Januaries where we feel as good as anybody about our chances to go on a run. So I, I think you compare that to these other franchises. And even some of them you can say, oh, well, you like Washington, second overall pick, Drake May, and I get all that. And it makes it definitely a, a way more attractive job. If Chicago were to open up, one of the reasons it would open up is because they've done their homework and said we can get pretty much anybody we want because we're going to have, right, we're going to have Caleb Williams. We're going to have another top 10 pick where we're going to get a, a stud wide receiver or a stud left tackle, and we're going to trade fields for two picks and and use that draft capital this year, and you you can win. You know what I mean? Like. Are, are we that afraid of Green Bay? You know what I mean? Like, who's like, are we that afraid of Detroit? Like, who's the juggernaut there? So, but as it currently stands, Carl, I think it's the Chargers. And I'm not even sure it's particularly close because Justin Herbert's special. Don't disagree. These other franchises, Washington, uh, the Raiders, the Falcons, they've had they have to find that guy. Uh, they will have a chance to do that this offseason, but they've got to find that guy. The Chargers have that guy sitting there already, and you said it, financial security. I like the Falcons' job, and, and this is not me being biased because I, I cover this team, but I think you've got all these weapons. They need an offensive mind to come utilize what they've got and if, they, if they're able to get the quarterback right, and they're not in cap hell anymore. So that it's an intriguing job if they're able to hire yeah. the right guy. Uh, the Carolina job, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it if you beg me, um, just because the owner is going to be involved and you might not be there for a year. So we've seen it that the trust factor, I think, is out of the window there. And I know Tepper's going to pay somebody a lot of money and somebody's going to take the job, but stability and the real chance to win there. That, that's my issue with the, the Carolina Panthers job. Let's talk about the Raiders real quick. Um, did you see AP going up and slapping the crowd? And there's there's something there, man. There's well, just and it's authentic, Carl. Like this isn't a guy. Like this isn't Eddie Haskell, right? Who knows <laughs> the answer to the test ahead of time, right? And it's been handed to him, and he's gonna like bluff his way to get there. He knows, you know, what act to put on, what affectation to put on. 
to play to this group or that group. So he does it, but it's a, you know, it's a song and dance. It's a production. This is just a guy being himself, man. This is a guy uh, who just has a different sort of mentality. And I, I think it's so perfect for who they are and their brand. And he won games in the division with regularity, right? He, he beat everybody in that division. He, he, he beat Andy Reid and Arrowhead. He, he finally ended that football atrocity that was the Brandon Staley era. And Sean Payton, who's trying to prove to the world I can win with Jared Stidham. No, no, you can't. Not on our turf. I, I mean, I, again, like, I don't know what more you're looking for, except I do, right? Like he does, Mark Davis, have a have a bit of a um, a thing for certain uh, names that he finds sexy. And so I, I honestly think the one scenario that maybe could prevent Antonio Pierce from getting that job is Jim Harbaugh. And like mm. he's had him in the building before. He's known him for a long time. He has Raiders ties. Uh, he just did something at Michigan that I'll be honest, I didn't think a Big Ten team was going to do um, maybe ever again. Like just, just, uh, just, you know, or, or, or certainly not the Big Ten has presently constructed the new Big Ten with USC and everything moving forward, maybe. But and Harbaugh definitely, definitely, definitely has been flirting with the NFL consistently for years, plural, going back for years, and definitely, definitely, definitely has significant interest in, in many of these jobs. Um, he is no naive waif who's just being approached by teams. He's playing the game. He's been playing the game. He'll keep playing the game. Uh, so we'll see if that's a match, you know. Uh, if it's not, I have a hard time seeing someone from the rest of this field beating out Antonio Pierce, but this is also an owner who has been uh, particularly good at anything. So, you know, you have to always factor that in. He might find a way to F it up no matter what. No, it, that's that's the problem. Like, it could be on a plate for him. Free cup of coffee. He'll screw it up. We're going to come back and talk about the dumbest thing we saw all weekend, and they say it wasn't the coach's fault. We'll do it when we come back. Stay there. We're coming back with more here on In the Huddle. Jason Lockon for Carl Dukes back with you in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, and watch us on YouTube, guys, in the huddle pod. And you can see this uh, and check it out. The Saints line up in <laughs> basically winning formation. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who missed it, it's a blowout. The score is 48. Well, it wasn't 48 at that point. It was yeah. 42 or 41, 17 or whatever it was. But they line up in winning formation, and Jameis Winston hands the ball off, and they score again. And people lost their minds because traditionally when you have control of a football game, there's under a minute to play. Even with the interception they got and set up the scoring position, you take a knee, you take a knee, you take a knee, and the game's over. So they hand the ball off to Jamal Williams. And Jamison Williams, uh, Jameis Williams, should I say, or Jameis uh, Winston, says that uh, he doesn't regret it, Jason. Um, and they wanted to get him a touchdown. This is not what Dennis Allen ordered. He said, let's take a knee. Jameis gets out there and says, what do y'all want to do? Uh -huh. let's, get, let's get Jamal a touchdown. Yeah, let's do it. So they line up in winning formation. They hand the ball off. The Falcons are not playing at this point. They just let the guy score. 
And there are just so many things to this. One, Allen then gets fussed at by now former Falcons coach Arthur Smith in the middle of the field. And he says, what the F was that? What are you doing? Dennis says, I didn't do it. <laughs> it was a rogue play by my quarterback. Jason, there's so much here to say, what in the hell is going on with Dennis Allen, Jameis, uh, Jameis, Jameis uh, Winston, and this Saints team to do this, to line up in victory formation and to do this. Now, part of me is it's football. Guys, th it, this isn't literally. These are professional football players. And if you line up, you should know that I'm lining up and I probably have to play. Like a boxer has to defend himself anytime the bell rings. Yeah. But the other side of it is that people thought it was Bush League, Jason, and felt like this was complete bullshit. Yeah. I, I guess the part of this I keep going back to is if Arthur Smith, if there isn't this exchange at midfield in a game that was rendered basically meaningless by its completion, right? By the end of this game, we knew that this game had no playoff ramifications, right? Yeah, zero. As I recall it. So it was one of, um, I don't know, eight, six games in this inventory. That was basically a moment in time that has no future ramifications on anything other than Arthur Smith's job security. So, I, like, if he doesn't throw a temper tantrum after the game, and let's face it, on the list of things that Arthur Smith should be pissed off after that game, <laughs> is that really number one? You know what no. I mean? Like, is that – is that really where his head should be? Like, is that is that like is that is that a portal into his psyche and why he shouldn't have been a head coach in the first place? And I like the guy personally, and I loved him as an offensive coordinator. It was a bad hire. It was a stretch. It was a reach. It's been screaming that at you since the end of year one, and especially year two, and early in year three. Forget about it. Like, so that's sort of where I go at it. Like. Would anyone would this have become a thing? Would it have blown up on Twitter if Arthur Smith isn't MFing Dennis Allen at midfield, right? And and of the things that Arthur Smith should be pissed off about, I think most of them should be within. He should be having an internal conversation with himself saying, What did I do with this opportunity? Like there's not really reflection or circumspection or introspection. It's it's almost like it was always something else. Like it was never the enemy was never within. It was always all oh, the world, the football world's conspiring against me and my master plan here for the Atlanta Falcons. You just weren't very good at the job, bro. Like that's just the reality. And you you might be better the second time around or whatever, but that thing was going nowhere. And you were a huge part of why. You're not the biggest part of why. Like Rich McKay's the biggest part of why. Like, I love this guy's press conference. He he airlifts into these press conferences, sits down up there. Tells you how everything's going to be different and fixed. Who's good? The GM's good. Who's sucked? The coaches suck. And, like, does it in a detached manner as if he wasn't the main guy putting all this together. Like, he hasn't been the main guy with the owners here for a generation. Like, it cracks me up how these guys can get there and they can talk about it in this matter-of-fact way as if they've done all the analysis and done all the reasoning Almost like they're an outside consultant who was brought in to tell Arthur Blank what to do next. No, bro, the enemy is within. You're the problem. You've been a part of all these things there that don't work. You've got the greatest job in the world. You're a football guy who fancies yourself a football guy who's on the competition committee being a football guy who, when it suits him, can just be a suit, can just be a numbers guy. Oh, I'm just the guy who puts the stadium together. Like, it must be unbelievable like to just – 
depending on what serves your purposes of keeping yourself employed and making millions of dollars a year, you can just play this shuffle with the public and the media. Like, you ain't fooling me. You've never fooled me. Like, let's look at the constants for why this franchise has been practically mediocre, right? Save for one moment in time with Kyle Shanahan running their offense. Like, what are the constants there? Like, who's making these decisions? Maybe you don't know how to evaluate people. Maybe you're not really a football guy. Or certainly not the football guy that you would pretend to be when you're in front of the NFL's media explaining this rule change or that rule change. Like, maybe you're not very good at this. Like, it's amazing. It's like he was never in Tampa. Like, the whole thing falls apart in Tampa. It's like, you don't hear Rich McKay's name about it, right? You're... You hear the owners and you hear Gruden and like, come on, man. Like, how is this guy so Teflon? It blows my mind. Like, they have the balls to sit up there and it's it's like, yeah, no, this is what didn't work. Bro, you put it together. It's your thing. You've been putting it together for years. Like, when has it worked? You kept the Dimitrov thing way too long, longer than you should have. They kept the Mike Smith thing longer than you should have. You kept the Dan Quinn thing longer than you should have. You kept the Arthur Smith thing, another one that you put together longer than you should have. But you just got a job for life. Like you, you just you can walk in there and sit up there with the owner or whatever and and dictate. Oh, this is here's here's what it is. How like where's what's the accountability there? What would he have to do to get fired at this point in time? It's a great question. Slap the owner across the face in public. Like what would it take? Like what what would it take for? That owner to be like, hey, maybe this is not the right for me. Like, it's not really working out. Um, two things, and you're spot on about Rich uh, McKay. The Arthur Smith thing, you know, everybody was mad about the wrong thing. The things that you laid out, Jason, and how this team played this season, the lack of production in the red zone, the lack of using the weapons you've drafted, whether it be Bijan or Kyle Pitts or all these people we've talked about, it was just kind of a microcosm of the season. And then that moment you talk about at the 50 yard line, which just blew up. So that, that was one element, but, but I have to say this, the thing that pissed me off the most yesterday, and then we'll, we'll move on to to a couple other coaches that we think may be moving. Um, The Falcons had this press conference. Rich McKay was there. Arthur Blank was there. The guy that was not there was Terry Fontenot. He's currently the general manager. That is his title. There are five black general managers in the NFL right now, okay? Three of them, Andrew Barry's Browns are going to the playoffs. Omar Khan's Pittsburgh Steelers are going to the playoffs. Chris Greer's Miami Dolphins are going to the playoffs. And the point is, these guys have come in, they've team built, they've hired, they've created the atmosphere and a winning culture, and they're general managers. They're being allowed to do the job. And it needs to be said that in the NFL, it's not just about hiring a black general manager. It's about allowing them to do the job. Yesterday, Terry Fontenot was marginalized. He was minimalized by not being at this press conference and Rich McKay taking all the questions that the general manager should have been answering. It was despicable. And the bigger thing for me is they've said now after this presser yesterday, Jason, in Atlanta, that he's going to be a big part of the decisions that will be made. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's a, you, that's, a, that's a complete lie. You cannot tell me that he's going to do all the work and lead up to these interviews and all the things that you're telling us he's going to be a part of and then not have the decision-making power. So in essence, to answer, you know, to add to what you've just laid out about Rich McKay, 
Now you've minimalized the general manager, and we now know he's not going to be involved in any of this. So whoever you bring in next, just understand who's making that decision. Whoever the next guy is and the quarterback and all of those things that'll play out, that trickle down, understand where that's coming from. That is what I got from yesterday's presser. But Jason, it was it's upsetting because we've talked so long about the NFL and hiring practices when it comes to coaches, specifically front office folks. They've created all of these necessities that teams have to do. You go hire one and then you minimalize and marginalize his responsibilities by saying, you don't need to be at the press conference. We just fired our coach. We're looking for another one. You're good. Just just be up at Flowery Branch and handle the other business that we have going on. Unbelievable. Talk to two GMs about that situation last night, both of whom I'll add are in the playoffs. Uh, and like, hey, did you watch Rich's latest dog and pony show? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you think about what they said about the GM? And they both said the same thing. Well, if I was that GM. I wouldn't give a shit what they said about me. I'd give a shit about the fact that I wasn't up there with them. So when I come home from work that night I, and my wife asked me what's going on, I'd have to tell my wife, I'm not so sure we're long for here. If they get the right guy, who's got enough jam to say, I'm not his guy, then we're out of here tomorrow. And you know what? If they go out and get a different guy who says he can live with me for a little while and it doesn't get better next year, guess what? As much as they're going to tell people that I had a role in this, who's the next person fired? Me. Not Rich McKay, the guy who's actually putting this all together again. It'll be me, the guy who didn't have enough jam to be up there on the on the dais with them. That's the reality of the situation. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know what it takes for Rich McKay to have accountability. Like, I don't even know what accountability is there. Like, I guess because he got the stadium built, he's got a job for life. I, I don't know. Um, but, like, Arthur Blank, that's your biggest problem, Holmes. Like, that's, you know, you need to rethink what you're doing because what you're doing sucks. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us. Let's talk about two guys that have familiarity. It's different circumstances. Belichick. And Mike Vrabel. We know that Belichick is meeting with Kraft. Maybe they already had this meeting from what we know, Jason. Uh, his son, I think, is involved in the meeting. We think, okay, right now, what happens is there's a mutual party. But he yep. could stay, of course. He could stay. Who knows? And then Vrabel, at the, you know, before this game last Sunday, he was talking about, you know, people in management being upset about the record and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes out. And, and they put the Jags out of the playoffs. It's just, it's quintessential Mike Vrabel, right? Oh, it's, it like, it's like, yeah. you know, you talk bad about him, and then all of a sudden he does what he does. I think he's a great coach. I don't yeah. know if he stays with the Tennessee no, Titans. Tell me what you think. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's a fit there anymore. I don't think it's a fit with him and the GM. I don't think it's a fit with him and the owner. Um, I don't think it's a fit with him and where that franchise is going, which is, uh, I mean, look. Derrick Henry walking around the field with a mic afterwards. I think that tells you all you need to know about like <laughs> what's to come there. You know what I mean? Like he knows it's like the Tannehill, Derrick Henry, that, ver you know, they're, they're gone. And if those guys are gone, then are you trying to trade Jeffrey Simmons to like where I, I just think that's going to be a rebuild that, that era closed with, with a veteran quarterback. Right. And like, it worked in Tampa. It worked for, you know, for a while in Tennessee. But when that stuff ends, there's usually a bloodletting, a roster bloodletting that follows. And so that's what's going on there. And 
I think what Mike Vrabel did is like, look, that's not a very good division, and they were 0-5 in that division. And Mike Vrabel's record since the middle of last year when Tannehill first got hurt is not very good. But I think that was him letting the rest of the league know that, hey, I can still do this for you. You know what I mean? Like when I went into Arrowhead last year on a Monday night and almost won with the quarterback who, you know, the kid from Liberty who wasn't ready to throw the ball. We came up with a game plan and we'll beat those guys in Arrowhead. Like, that's still me. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I can do it. I got a lot of stuff here holding me back, and this team's not going anywhere anytime soon. But, like, you put me in a competitive environment, I can take it up a notch for you. Um, I can be that culture changer and all that stuff, the buzzwords that these billionaires gravitate towards. But, like, I, I you know, I, I just, it, it, it look, if, if everything was hunky-dory there, and I've been telling you for a long time, it's not. Like, there's ways to make that go away with contract extensions and, right, we're going to – she just did it all. I mean, Amy Adam Strunk just she, – she, she when they blew out John Robinson in the middle of last year, like, they've already kind of done the, the lipstick on a pig restructure thing. It, it got worse this year. So, no, I don't think he's long for there. Um, I'm not sure whether the timing will work out for them to execute a trade. If they're progressive and forthright, they they would be exhausting that and they would be realistic about the situation that they have. Again, I, I'm not sure if they have the institutional wherewithal to look and like at, at the league from 40,000 feet. But that's what should be going on either way. I, I don't think it's a fit anymore. Um, and I, I would not be surprised if he's elsewhere. Um, and if he's back there, it's going to be super ugly next year. I'm not sure he makes it through the season. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't make it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but that, that that there's a they're at a natural inflection point where I think if you're being realistic about where they are from a competitive standpoint, a roster standpoint, an age standpoint, um, you should probably just go full bore. Um, cause you're not going to win for several years. And I don't really think they're going to try to win, frankly, until they get the new stadium built anyway. Great point. And they are pushing that. I was up there, uh, in October, late October, and they are pushing the new stadium like crazy. Uh, as we get ready to close, I want to, I want to finish with the Packers. They finished the season on a six, two run, Jason. Jordan Love, 27 of 32, 316 yards, two touchdowns and a must-win game at home. And he delivered. And I just think that it is absolutely incredible that the Packers may have fallen into another great quarterback, potentially, who sat behind his guy, just like the guy before him sat behind yeah. that guy. And to me, it's how you finish. And they, the way they finish and the way this guy has played, specifically Jordan Love, makes me believe that the Packers are going to be in great shape. They have one of the youngest rosters in the league. So all of this Aaron Rodgers stuff. Jason, before the season, everybody thought the Jets were going to the playoffs. Not us. But everybody that, you know, in the, in the football atmosphere was like, oh, Jets, Jets, Jets. And nobody believed this would happen. And look at what's happened. And I'm not taking a shot at his injury. It is what it is. But – Love has led this team to the playoffs, and it's an unlikely thing that we didn't think would happen. And by the way, I think they're dangerous. Oh, I absolutely. Think they're, I think they're playing oh. with a lot of confidence right now. So 
the, the Packers, have they found their next guy? How confident are you in saying that? Very. Um, wouldn't have said that in the middle of October. Um, and even going into that Giants game, I thought that was a trap that Jordan Love might fall in. A lot of young quarterbacks do. But then it's like, how do you respond from that? Um, and he's he's been brilliant. Uh, and their way of doing it with, you know, how they sit and whatever. And, like, I can't use the passive voice even, like, them falling into this. Like, they traded up. Like, at peak Aaron Rodgers, they traded up and made a move to go get this kid. It wasn't even like Aaron Rodgers breaking his fall, right? They made McIntyre, which is – that's why Rodgers, frankly, was so pissed off. Like, it wasn't like this kid was still sitting there in the second round. or They made a move to go jump back in to grab him where they got him. Uh, him sitting was turned out to be the perfect, you know, uh, elixir and the, the perfect way to um, – aid his development and incubate him. I mean, Carl, the last eight weeks, I think he's got 18 touchdown passes and one interception. Like, he, he finished the year, I think, top four in touchdown passes. And that's after, you know, a hot start and then a six, five-week span where it was looking really rough. Um, and he didn't. it's not like he had this robust run game all year either. And there's pressure to score points because the defense has been pretty dog crap for most of the season. And that's a defense that people could run all over and, and you could score quickly on the defense, which puts even more pressure on a young quarterback. Uh, they got a little healthier at the offensive line as things went on, but he's had a different cast of receivers week in, week out. No, I have to give him full marks and them full marks. Uh, he looks like a franchise quarterback and the way he's been able to play on the road the last couple of times out – and that Chicago defense is legit, man. Like, yeah. I, it, yeah. it, like those guys were playing really good ball for two months. And for him to be able to, without his full cast, move the ball like that on them, I think it's the exact kind of fuel they need uh, for the postseason, the, the sort of mental fuel and confidence um, that they can now take it up another level. And, yeah, I, I think they're very frisky. <laughs> that's a live dog for me. I mean, as we're talking at seven and a half, I don't know what direction it's going to go. I grabbed it at seven and a half because I want that off in case it goes away. Yeah. But I've also sprinkled on the money line for them uh, as well as the Rams. Uh, I think the NFC is pretty wide open outside of San Francisco. And I do like both those dogs. And if Jordan Love can get off to a decent start here, if he plays a decent first half, the house is in trouble. Um because that's a team that's gotten better as games have gone on. And, and Green Bay has had some issues in the first half. But Dallas has issues in the second half. Dallas has issues in close and late games. The longer that that game matters, the worse they get, especially against legit opponents. So um, it's going to be a great day to throw the ball around. I know that much, Carl, because it always is in Jerry's world. It's true. Um, it's true. I think he'll be up for it, man. I think he'll be up for it. Can you imagine? I mean, we, we got time, but can you imagine if they beat the Cowboys at home and McC McCarthy? I mean, just here you are one and done again after coming back and winning your division and being 12 and five and getting a home game. I mean, it's just like it sets up so perfectly which is what we're going to get to on Thursday, guys. Brian Baldinger will be here. We're talking about all the games. Browns, Texans, Dolphins, Chiefs. Steelers Bills on Sunday, Packers Cowboys Rams Lions and then we get a Monday night game Eagles Bucks. 
It is going to be a bananas wildcard weekend. We're going to be breaking down all the games, talking about the personnel, the injuries, how all of that affects things. So make sure you're here on Thursday. Jason, great stuff, man. We are uh, looking forward to the playoffs. I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. We'll talk on Thursday, brother. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. You too. Everybody take care, and thanks for being here. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 